Welcome to the Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot's seat is Pete. Hello, the Pete. What up, all my Mandos and Mandats? The Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek looks back over an absolutely epic and momentous season two. Pete, I just wanted to take a minute here and uh, cover something. Last week, we had discussed the female-focused scenes towards the end of Avengers Endgame uh, and in the Season 2 finale of The Mandalorian. And I just wanted to take a moment to clarify my thoughts on both scenes. To see a galaxy of female Marvel stars take point in Endgame is a moment of celebration, And it's a deserved high point of one of the most popular movies uh, that a globe of humanity has ever seen. My only regret really is that it took as long as it did to get there. Uh, I'm beyond excited that Marvel Studios, a film enterprise, let's not forget, whose 2010s then capo de capo Ike Perlmutter said didn't need to make movies for women or people of color. Uh, I'm glad to see that now in the 2020s, uh, and certainly in the time since then, that the Marvel Studios has embraced in this next decade, in the decade that we are, that we, you know, we're about to, to put the first year behind us, that, that there's an increased slate of powerful female characters. Insofar as Marvel is the brightest jewel in the Disney crown, uh, and given that Disney seems to genuinely look to create great popular art and from that gets successful commerce with diversity baked into the foundation, it's natural that other areas of Disney can, can look to Marvel uh, and Marvel's evolution to, to learn from it. So for The Mandalorian to have a successful, powerful, and story-driven team-up of female characters in that Season 2 finale, that's another time for celebration. And in all likelihood, this was inspired by the cultural impact that Marvel has had in the last 10 years. And it's a reminder that Disney is not just a company, it's an institution, and one that continues to help imagine a better, great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And Matt, I I really appreciate you being able to articulate that. I, I think that we had some listeners who were like, wait a minute, you know, I appreciated both. And... I think that neither of us as males, uh, as white straight males, the preponderance of, of which are leveling criticisms about which one can be earned and which one feels forced, <laughs> we're, we're not the target audience of that. Uh, we really shouldn't be critics of it. Um, and I know that I appreciated both. I don't pick one over the other. I mean, I have my thoughts on why with the Mandalorian with four female roles, two of which were covered in, in helmets, why, uh, certain people like one more than others, because, you know, it, it's not as frightening for them and, and jarring. Uh, but you know, we can enjoy, appreciate, uh, and, and share both. And I don't think everything needs to be a, a contest and, and needs the stamp of approval from the broken basement bunch. 
So Pete, since we last spoke about the Mandalorian, what we widely assumed slash uh, based on the information that was out there, we had made the made the call that Book of Boba Fett uh, was a not replacing Mandalorian season three and B uh, would air before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had last or uh, you know Monday of this this past week we had John Favreau on Good Morning America. Pete, it's so amazing how some of these Disney people show up on Disney's <laughs> own morning show. Um, and he, I, I, I think part of the function of his presence was to very clearly state, um, or to confirm the, the, the vibes you and I had put up. I mean, he wasn't speaking directly to you and to you and me, of course, but yeah. to confirm those things, as well as to say the book of Boba Fett is its own show. It is its own spinoff. It was held back from the presentation and, uh, and, and, and now that's all confirmed and, um, that welcome news. Yeah. So there are three productions right now, book of Boba Fett, in addition to Andor, the, the rogue one prequel and, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi as a, as a limited run. Um, you know, the, the smallest of them would seem to be Boba Fett. I've seen in the realm of, well, it's four parts, uh, you know, Obi-Wan went from apparently eight to six. I've still not seen that officially confirmed for either. However, um, Mandalorian confirmed through Favreau the other day will go into production immediately after Book of Boba Fett. It's much of the same creative team. So there's that. Uh, Dave Filoni is writing the Ahsoka series right now and you know nobody better to do that so the the state of the franchise just continues to get better and better and you know what with this mandalorian season two just watershed moment i mean the first season was about debuting on Disney plus being the, the thing to usher in its form of streaming television, which is far much more like feature filmmaking than anything else, the technological advancements, all that. And then to get the hour long Disney gallery on Christmas day and to look back at the slices of all of these episodes. And you just think about, so much that they did for the complaints that we heard at points in the season. This is a filler episode. I mean, really a a filler episode with creature effects and uh, a chase and a crash and characterization amongst, uh, you know, a character who wears a helmet the entire episode, uh, a puppet and uh, a lady in a frog costume uh, and gigantic spiders. Like, can you can you evaluate what you just said for a second and understand why you're wrong? And it really is astonishing to look back over these eight episodes and to to see if if the message from the first season was this is really kind of sort of not connected to other Star Wars stuff. Uh, or at least that was the premise upon which it was uh, it was presented. This is the season where you know it opens up on 
Tatooine, albeit in a in a most that we haven't been to before, at least as part of the main narrative. Uh, I, I recall, Pete, and you could probably do it off the top of your head, most Pelgo first appeared in, I want to say, a video game? Yes. Um, so, you know, certainly like non-canonical or semi-canonical, etc., uh, to then have the Jaws influence in that episode, to have in the next chapter, you know, a riff on the Alien Aliens franchise, to be bringing back characters from animation in the heiress, uh, also to be bringing back a couple other characters, you know, like, uh, like Boba Fett and, oh, that guy at the end, which curiously Pete, curiously slash not curiously, uh, no discussion of the Luke Skywalker reveal in the, uh, the Disney, uh, gallery episode, probably because it was a secret and they didn't yeah. want to have footage of, you know, third place sound guy or story of third place sound guy who's there on the day to interview Peyton Reed to talk about whatever and wait he just mentioned Luke Skywalker's return and working with Mark and de-aging and oh my goodness yeah I mean they they tell you everything you need without saying it when when Peyton Reed comes back for the finale and that he'd be a fool to turn it down he's telling you in code Everything that he can tell the guy on the other end of the camera that likely doesn't know that Luke Skywalker appears in that eighth and final chapter of the season. Yet, strangely, I've seen criticism. Where Where is the interview with Mark Hamill? Uh, they gave you this documentary a week after the season ended, which, you know, the withdrawals already fully set in. And... Again, can't we just be grateful for things? You said it. In a season in which we get Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, uh, the return of Boba Fett, Matt, Fennec Shand, not only alive, but, uh, you know, the number two to Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen, yet again, uh, getting her due in this series that they're filming right now as this in- indebted you know, uh, character to Boba Fett. And my mind just wobbles at the, the real time adventures they're going to go on after they tell the survival of the, the Sarlacc pit story and probably even their teaming up and, and her getting a, a robot midriff. Well, well, and if there's one kind of overarching, uh, nature to to Star Wars as a property, it's it's not just like leave them wanting more in terms of, boy, that was fun, I want to see it again, and, you know, when A New Hope came out, all the, the repeat business and whatnot, but this, the notion of the larger universe, it really is, it's a rare thing. I think most, whether it's science fiction or even outside science fiction, I don't think you spend a whole lot of time saying, gee whiz, I would like to know more about uh, guy number six from the Magnificent Seven in the original movie in the 60s. Like, you just kind of go, okay, that was self-contained, that's great. But to leave this season saying, uh, hey, I'm excited for the Boba Fett spinoff. I'm excited for the Ahsoka spinoff. Um, are some of the X-Wing pilots headed towards the the Rangers show, or is it a different kind of Ranger? Um, and to be excited about those things, and still be able to say, Wait, you didn't give me more Cobb Vanth. I would like more Cobb Vanth. Hey, um, it's great that the Frog Lady and Frogman have a kid. Are, are we ever going to see the Frog Lady again? Dude, like, I want a sitcom, okay? I, I want the Frog 
lady, frog man, frog baby, frog family sitcom. I'm here for it. Uh, John, Kathy, Dave, uh, you have my number. <laughs> um, but again, just this idea that it really is taking place in a universe that still feels so big that you can you can support not just the business end of the spinoffs, but you know part part of the Disney reorganization in the last year ostensibly has been about making the creative engine be at the center of everything and separating the creative engine from the financial engine. Uh, of course, with the knowledge that, you know, in a best case scenario, the things that you make are going to sell, not just the, the, you know, it's like Mandalorian isn't just going to sell uh, Disney plus stuff. It's also going to sell uh, Grogu merch and, you know, how long until the, uh, the Mandalorians at the bar uh, at uh, the Star Wars hotel that's going to be super expensive add-on to your already super expensive ticket to stay at the hotel. Like all of that is part of what they're looking for, but this desire to have it be story focused, then you tie in the money stuff and the extensions. You really get the sense that that Favreau and Filoni uh, and Kathleen Kennedy etc all really understood that for this season that it really is story first universe first then you tie those other things in yeah and the other thing that becomes very apparent you know you watch the the second season gallery the levels to which they up their game you know they knew they could do it the first time through and that was about uh, you know, making these advancements and now to make the volume bigger. And the challenge for me throughout the season was, was this film practically, was this filmed in the volume? And to look at them do what they do in that volume, I mean, to create the ship from the Eris episode on the estuary world of of Trask and to put in uh, a water tank, uh, something that I assumed was some sort of digital floor to, to create that effect. And then, uh, you know, similarly, so with the Jedi episode, you know, for Ahsoka's duel uh, with the magistrate there to put in the pond and, uh, you know, everything else, that goes with that in that indoor environment it it's tremendously done i mean i just my my mind whirls with what they can do with these upcoming series with that and okay so i mean you think about the number of limited environments that you could come up with okay that are star warsian you know we've got the desert we've got the forest we've got this and then the variations that they did on it okay let's let's do a you know they talk about it in the gallery like we didn't want people to assume it's hoth so it's a glacial planet and then you know okay it's a forest fire planet to the point where you know uh fred in the netherlands thought that maybe that had been impacted by the forest fires they were having in california i mean they do that in the volume um it's just tremendous the way that the storytelling has merged with a go for broke attitude 
and Filoni talks about that in in the special, like you know, he didn't want to introduce Ahsoka in, in season one, and that's a hundred percent the right call because that overshadows the Mandalorian. And now that she's confirmed to have her own show, understandably so, uh, all makes sense. But it just felt with each passing chapter of this season swinging increasingly bigger. I mean, the, the stakes aren't always super huge. We continue to put the, the child, we continue to put Grogu in, you know, harm's way as in the best that the show is. And, and that is an issue for season three to sort out, you know, what is this if, if not the lone wolf and the cub every week? I, I think a lot of people, myself included, watch it for that. Um, but as a season of TV, I mean, you look back at this, there's not a dud in the bunch. Um, I've rewatched every episode beyond just the number of times the, the two times we watch it to podcast about it. Um, and each great at different things and, and for their own reasons. And I think that the star Wars gallery, uh, you know, hour long special here. I think that it gave such insight into this season. Um, and, and from it, you can extrapolate certain things such as when season one started overall, they had a good feeling about the volume and led panels. And much of that had been, uh, tested out already on the jungle book, but I'm sure there must've been, there must've been certain planning decisions made before we even started filming just recognizing the limitations that the the season one volume brought and and i'm sure that that on a certain creative level shaped things whereas to have that technology understood and to have people who went from zero training on living in that world whether it's for what you do or do not need for set decoration what you can and can't do to the floor um let alone the technology and the operators behind making the LED wall work. Once you have eight episodes of that under your belt, the ability to build it bigger, to program bigger, and then you know set decorate bigger, and, and all of that, uh, I think it it again lends itself to the increased uh, scope of the storytelling where you're on different worlds uh, and it's all sorts of different environments. I, Pete, I still marvel the scene where uh i guess it's from chapter 10 the passenger where mando uh, pardon me chapter 11 the heiress where he's on the boat and looking out over the water whichever mando actor it is in the suit he's just standing there on you know some flooring and that water looks as real as anything and he's just standing three feet from an led wall looking out off into quote unquote the distance it's 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 stunning that that's where they've gotten from from nothing two years ago to footage like that yeah, and you think about the things that happen in this season, whether it's, you know, Luke Skywalker showing up at the end to, to save the day, something I think we thought about, yet would they go for it this soon? You know, the destruction of the Razor Crest, um, you know, the, the adventures that they go on. I mean, to, to have the scale imagined of the crate dragon in the, in the season two premiere, go from 150 feet to 600. <laughs> and then 
the uh, the thought out attention to detail of well, here's the crate dragon skeleton that we see in the original Star Wars, and to say that well, as it evolves, yes, it did indeed have legs. You unnecessarily freaked out because you thought it was just a snake, even though there are no feet to the off in the background. Uh, skeleton that was placed in the Tunisian desert because they didn't just want to have, uh, you know, sand dunes. Uh, so again, your your childhood wasn't ruined. Um, it it was it was preserved the same way it always was, and you know it, it's become so super fashionable to bash the sequels and then elevate Mandalorian, none of which happens without these latest star Wars movies, but let's be completely upfront about that from, from Kathleen Kennedy, you know, pivoting off uh, a production of a Boba Fett movie that was pancaking in upon itself from the director down. I mean, who knows what the state of that script might've even been to now two TV productions that, you know, the one of which was a home run and you can't imagine book of Boba Fett in any way being disappointing with the people who are involved. Um, and you know, the developments that have come out of that, you know, you don't get the resonance of the Luke Skywalker story in the sequels without now this chapter of him showing up of, squiring Grogu away and you know Grogu's not going anywhere the the character's 50 years old Disney will ride out the remaining 850 year lifespan of this character <laughs> um and I look forward to all those stories okay uh no he doesn't die in the massacre upon Luke's school okay he doesn't leave the, the Jedi order or anything like that. They're going to tell all of these stories. There's, there's so much more star Wars to come as was established in the, in the Disney investor day. There's so much more of Mandalorian. And you think of what this third season show is going to be. I mean, we haven't really seen it need to reinvent itself yet in a, in a way that, another show that we do that's in its third season in Star Trek Discovery constantly and, and successfully does. Uh, but, you know, to think that they're going to use that volume and whatever sparing practical locations, kind of like they, they do in the tragedy episode with, you know, Northern California to recreate Mandalore, a uh, uh, location we've never seen in, in live action and, and something steeped in mythos now for, you know, a, a, a decade and a half. So yeah, just each, each chapter was a gift and, you know, the, the greatest thing is we have more coming between this show and Boba Fett and these other shows that seem to be less reliant, even on the volume. I mean, the Andor presentation, it doesn't even seem like they're filming in that environment. 
I know that they are building or will build a, a volume, Lucasfilm will, uh, Industrial Light and Magic will, uh, in London. So maybe, maybe that's with an eye towards, hey, these three scenes from Andor episode one and these two from the next episode and so forth, we're going to save them all for uh, for when the volume is done being built. I have to imagine, Pete, it's not that expensive to build, you know, if you're, if you're Lucasfilm, it's not that expensive to build another volume somewhere. It's probably more Well, they're in... doing it for other productions now. They're doing it for the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. They now forget that they, they pioneered the technology and that they're continuing to find a ceiling for it. Now it's, it's a franchise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, it's astonishing. It really, really is. Pete talking about spinoffs and future stories and whatnot. Here's a, uh, here's a PT's choice. I'd like to give you, would you approve of, uh, having the Luke Skywalker Chronicles limited series taking place in the Mandalorian timeline, but Luke played by Sebastian Stan. See, and I talked about this in the podcast for that chapter, chapter 16. I thought it was initially him. I I think, and I know they, they plan on doing more Luke stuff, but I wonder to the extent. To me, the series that makes the most sense, and they have animated content coming in uh, the Bad Batch a Clone Wars spinoff. And then, you know, there's rumored to be other animated shows, one of which is a successor to Star Wars Rebels. You've got Mark Hamill's voice there. Why they have not yet done a Jedi Academy, Luke, Ben, now you can have Grogu come and go in it. Um, why they haven't done that in animation to me is baffling. Um, I think doing more live action Luke tethers you too much to the thing you said you weren't going to do. You know, the, the premise of this show being, Hey, here were the action figures at the bottom of the crate that our brothers left behind that, that we go on adventures with. And, and the show so heavily leads into that. So to think that, you know, season three will be Mando, you know, as a reluctant ruler of, uh, you know, Mandalore um, and, and trying to reestablish that. And, you know, every couple episodes dropping by and seeing uh, Luke and, and Grogu, I, I think, defray's the success of character and narrative. For the sake of, here's Luke. You know, the the rallying cry was, this was the Luke we always wanted to see and, and should have gotten. Um, you mean the wizened Luke who, who had this adventure, you just didn't know he had this adventure because, you know, he, he hadn't done anything in between. Okay. Who ultimately uh, proves he's human, makes terrible mistakes, learns from them and ultimately redeems himself through sacrificing uh, his life and then continuing to lead the protagonist the same way he had been led. Uh, the beautiful cyclical 
yet different, Matt, because that's the other thing, too. Remember, Force Awakens was, oh, no, J.J., you spit a new hope back to us. Uh, no. Oh, hey, uh, Ryan, remember The Last Jedi? You betrayed everything we've ever known. So it was, um, give us a completely new Star Wars movie with things that we never had before, but do it with all the old characters the way it was done before. So which is it? And I think this show walks a very fine line. I think they've been super smart in the way that they've done it. Again, not a distinction against the sequels. I love the sequels. And I think we generally on the podcast have a very, very positive view of the sequels. Are there things that could have been improved, done better? Yeah. You know what I would have liked? I would have liked if four days, four years ago today, Matt, Carrie Fisher didn't die on a flight to Los Angeles because the Rise of Skywalker is a completely different movie if it is the movie that it was conceived to be that would have been her showcase. Instead of, we have 8 to 12 minutes of footage of her, some of which is from deleted scenes that were actually put together that uh, we basically have to go to bones on the story and, and how do we use that around her. Um, I think... You, you potentially bring Leia back. Um, I think Book of Boba Fett, you know, you, you de-age Han, you de-age uh, Lando. Uh, he's got to have a grudge there. And I, I think that's something to take a stab at as well. But again, sparingly, it can't suddenly become if we're talking about this in two years, you know, it's the middle age Luke Skywalker adventures. That's a miss. Yeah, I think particularly with the hardcore Star Wars fandom, the continuing adventures of Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie, uh, those stories have already been told. They were told by you with your action figures or in your imagination or, or that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of the legacy that Star Wars needs to be mindful of, that that you kind of can't outdo the you can't outdo the adventures that you personally had but that aren't part of the the overall storytelling but that are that are some there you know somewhere there in the ether so certainly season 2 of the mandalorian has has struck a uh, struck a balance that has resonated with many people many people including Pete our own grand admiral i refer of course to fred from the netherlands Hello Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek, this is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on the whole season 2 of The Mandalorian. I really like this second season, even better than the first I think. It really has had a lot of instances movie quality I think. Highlights for me were seeing Ming-Na Wen as Fennec and seeing Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. As said in the previous podcast, I didn't think that the Lou Skywalker recreation was that bad. Actually quite good. I had to get used a little bit to the mission of the week setting. It really felt like a computer game where you have to reach the next level to go further. And then at the end you may conquer the big boss. Or, for instance, a knighthood story where you have to win the Holy Grail or the princess or whatever. 
I really wonder if there is a third season what they will do in that because the mission is now complete after two seasons bringing the child back to the Jedi. I really wonder if we will see the child back or that the story will divert to a whole other direction and if I should think of a direction that could be the conquering or the regaining of Mandalore together with Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians. Worst thing of the series was of course losing the Razor Crest. But in a just a few days I'm going to rebuild it. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, interesting point raised there by Fred. Your thoughts that perhaps video game storytelling has been an influence on this show that of course has used video game technology to help create the visuals. I've seen a lot of people with this hot take that, hey, I'll help you, but you need to complete a side quest and then the story will move forward. As if video game storytelling is a bad thing that you're you're interacting in that, that, you know, you got your main quest, you got your side quest. Um, stories... I can't wait until we're participating on the level of, you know, holodeck technology where you have that involvement, like a choose your own adventure. Um, so I didn't find fault with it. I, I really didn't. And when you look at the arc of this season and the, the theme we talked about last week with the finale that, you know, it was about finding your people and, even then when you find your people are they truly the ones that you belong with i mean if you think that grogu is going to stay with luke for the rest of his existence you don't seem to understand this franchise if you think that uh dinjarin now reunited with two other mandalorians and in possession of the thing that makes him the ruler of mandalore is going to stay there and truly find fulfillment you also don't understand character arc so okay with this technology we we can do this i mean you think of the scale of that first episode with that gigantic beast and and that's all filmed in a in a sound stage that's a tremendous advancement and then with the razor crest i mean it it is a type of ship I don't know that I want him to get an identical razor crest with the uh, the funds he gets from from turning in Moff Gideon to the New Republic. Like, hey, we got you a new ride. <laughs> um, I, I want him to have something a little bit different. Not like, all right, we'll paint it pink or something like that. But you know, the the beauty of the lived in star Wars world is that you can take, you know, the, the original millennium Falcon design is based on a hamburger. And I, I think they had like a, a, a pickle to the side of it. It's, it's a silly shape, but you know, as, as I look at the one over on a, a side table in, in my, uh, you know, rec room here, you know, it's so iconic, a design in its asymmetry. Uh, so, you know, lean into to the, the world. I have no 
doubts they'll they'll come up with a, a fitting ride and and oh yeah Din Djarin got to ride around in sleeve one for a couple episodes this season like just another gift on top of what the story was I think that what we're seeing is you know Favreau who by and large has a film background I think we're seeing his his attempt to uh, articulate and to mediate the the push between uh, completely episodic television, uh, which you know you you largely in a film you get it just as the episode. Elf might be ninety minutes long, but it's one ninety minute episode, and and that's it. Uh, and you kind of don't return. Side note, Pete, there was a fundraiser uh, reading of the Elf script. Uh, it having come out just in the last couple of months, and apparently. Uh, Will Ferrell and John Favreau, uh, Favreau who of course directed Elf, uh, did not get along. Um, and in this uh, charity fundraiser, um, the only person who didn't return from the from the cast, uh, at least those who were who are still with us, uh, was director John Favreau, who of course had played the Doctor in the movie. Uh, he was replaced by uh, by the. Um, Obama era speechwriter John Favreau, same name, different guy. But just my point being, it goes to show you that for a common political cause, even for that, John Favreau wouldn't, or I won't say he wouldn't come back, but that that that's how how uh, poor the the feelings were from Elf. But I digress. I think Favreau trying to figure out from a movie maker's point of view how to do episodic TV, but still make it serial and make it continuing from episode to the next from one episode to the next i think he's doing that with very clear like yes there is this thrust get the child to his people you know and then here's the thing to distract him from that here's the thing to say well i'll give you the thing at the end but you have to help me first i think that's just how he is how he is articulating how to do episodic and serial at the same time yeah and you know it's so unorthodox in that the the plots are so simple but it's the unexpected things that are not that okay we're going to go on a season long journey to to reunite the child with his people and then each episode like you said the word thrust there it it, it seems clear and instead you know we crash land on uh, on ice planet and nearly get killed by these terrifying spiders or, you know, the, the high seas adventure that turns into a mini Mandalorian meetup in the, in the third episode, you know, probably my favorite episode in a season that includes Luke Skywalker. And, and I think that speaks uh, volumes about this show. Well, Pete, certainly it's been quite a season to cover. And of course, as we start to wrap up season two, yes, there's obviously lots of great Disney Plus content ahead. There's lots of great Star Wars Disney Plus content ahead. Uh, There is no more Mandalorian for this calendar year, 2020. There is, it's almost, uh, you know, a sure thing that there is no Mandalorian uh, content, or at least no new Mandalorian episodes for 2021. Uh, so probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, St. Patrick's Day uh, 2022 is when we will be podcasting new episodes. Of course, in the interim on this Mandalorian feed, as show news unfolds and certainly as Star Wars news unfolds, we'll update it to the feed uh, along with looking ahead to other adventures in the interim. 
Yeah, uh, if it's not the Bad Batch show, which we know is going to include Fennec Shand, and then you get into some of the the non-Star Wars stuff that we do, whether it's WandaVision in a couple weeks on Disney+, or finishing up Star Trek Discovery Season 3. I mean, so many adventures going on right now. Yes, it's it's a bummer that we're not going to have live-action Star Wars for a calendar year. Uh, maybe they get ahead of it a little bit. Who knows? No wine before it's time. But, you know, there, there's more coming. And that, I think, is the silver lining on top of just a platinum, uh, you know, couple seasons here from Mandalorian. Pete, how can people be in touch with you to share anticipation for the galaxy far, far away? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11,724. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, I was looking back lost. Do me in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, got some goodies ahead for you. And certainly we're back for Star Trek Discovery this upcoming weekend, the new weekend in the new year. But for now, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. This is the way.